So today we have a very special guest. If you are a fall person, you will love the foliage photos. If you are a winter person, you will love his snow photos. If you are a night person, you will love the stars and astro and Milky Way photos he has. Please welcome with me Jamie Malcolm Brown. He's a landscape, aerial and astrophotographer. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for the wonderful introduction. You're welcome. So Jamie, please, like, I need to know, how did you start photography? How did you get into that business? And why do you love photography? Um, well, I started um, about 20 years ago. Um, I was working for a small nonprofit that works with indigenous peoples around the world. Um, and so I was traveling to like Kenya and Guatemala and while I was at these places, it was just hard not to want to capture the beauty and the people I was seeing. So at the time I just had like a little point and shoot camera, but I, I bought like a, a Canon SLR, like the, I think it was the EOS Elon 70. So it was a film camera back then. Um, and I just did black and whites and and just fell in love with photography. So now you're telling me you were doing some indigenous portraits, but now you're into landscape. So how did this shift happen? Um, well, I still do uh, the portraits um, as I still work for that organization part-time. Um, but at the same time, I, I love being outside. I love hiking. I love exploring new places around New England and wherever I can travel. Um, so I love to capture those moments too, and especially sunrise, sunset, foggy, night times. Like I love to capture things when other people aren't usually there. Yeah, I see. So what are some of the challenges that you faced at your beginning as a pro photographer? And how did you manage to overcome them? Um, I mean, the biggest challenge really is making money as a photographer. Um, and while I, I think technically I am a pro photographer, I make some of my living from it. I don't make enough to have that as my only job. Um, I mean, especially as a landscape photographer, it's hard to make money selling prints or teaching workshops. Like, like there are things you can do, but, but it, it's difficult and it takes a lot of time. So I supplement that work with other work. Yeah, I see, I see. So what, what advice do you give your 20 years old self that you wish you, you knew that when you started the, the photography business? Um, I wish that I had gotten into landscape sooner. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I, I was really into like events and portraits and like people in the environment, but I wasn't into like landscape, I was just, um, getting people during the daytime. I didn't wake up for sunrise or stay out for sunset or explore these unseen areas. Um, and now that's, that's all I want to do essentially, but I wish I'd started earlier. Well, I'm hearing from you a mix of, of two different persons, a person who like hiking and solitude and nature and the person who love portraits and, and people. So how do you balance these, these two these two characters inside of you. Yeah, I mean, it, it is very different uh, work. So like even just my gear is very different for those things. So I, I, 
I do occasionally shoot weddings. And when I do that, all I take are primes because I'm trying to get that like creamy background blur and really separating the people from the kind of busy background. But when I'm out doing landscape, I just take my zooms because I need that versatility, like a, a 35 1.4, while it's great for taking portraits, it's heavy and not good for hiking. And then you're just carrying this extra heavy thing that you have to switch lenses often. So you're getting dust in your camera. So it's, it's very different, but yeah. they're both fun to me. Yeah, I see. So let me ask you more about the landscape section. So what inspires you to go out? Like I, I was I was checking your Instagram and you were saying that you wake up at four in the morning just to, <laughs> to get a photo. Or for example, you have to stay all night during winter to take the shot of the Milky Way. So yeah. what inspires you to go through all these and just take one shot? Yeah, I mean, it kind of started because I mean, I have a family. I have a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old boy. And I mean, it, it's hard to find the time to do the landscape photography with family life. So I kind of started doing sunrises because I could get out, get the sunrise, go for a hike, take some photos, then get back home and my family was still sleeping. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't take time away from them, which is important to me to be with them and to be a good father and partner, um, but also finding a way to express myself creatively and artistically and exploring. Like, like, so it just kind of happened that sunrise is the perfect time for me. Yeah, I, I fully understand that because I have a two and a half years old boy yeah. and now we're doing this podcast because he's in the daycare. So this is the only time I can do it either <laughs> while he's away or late night after he sleeps. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it's hard with a family, but but if it's something you love, you make it work. Exactly, exactly. So you love hiking, you love waking up early morning to take shots. So how did nature and this this engagement and connection between you and nature shape mm -hmm. in your in your character? And what did it teach you? Um, I mean, I think a lot of it came from the way I grew up. I grew up in like a small town, in a, in a, like the, our house had a lot of woods around it. So my brothers and sisters, I come from a family of eight kids and we would just be out in the woods all day long playing or at the lake swimming. Um, so it was just like kind of got ingrained into me that way. Um, and then like, as I grew up and I saw like the importance that we had to focus on the environment and the people that take care of it, like that's how I, I started dedicating my time to those things. Yeah, I see. So, so generally before you, you do a shoot, let's say you're, you will do a specific shoot for whatever landscape. So what, what is your routine? What steps do you do? So that from, from the time you start planning it yeah. until you have this shot edited on your computer. Um, I mean, it, it, there's kind of like two different shots that I like to get. Um, and that's like a plan shot where I know the location and then I find the day that I can go there and hope that I get good conditions. But then my other favorite shot to get is having no idea where my location is going to be and just looking for good conditions and then going there and seeing what I can find. And that's, that's what like the, the shots that I'm going to talk about today, 
both of those or that kind of shot where I just look at the weather map, I see where the weather looks good, and then I go there, explore as much as I can in the pre-dawn hour, and then hopefully find something good. Well, I guess from what you're saying, the most important application in your life is the weather app. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I spend more time on my weather app than I do on like Facebook or Instagram. It's just like constantly seeing when it, what the weather is going to be like tomorrow, or the next night, or in the middle of the night, and see what I can create from that. Yeah. So tell us what is the most crazy thing you did to take a shot? Like, did you ever have a camera fall from you or... Like I heard there was a drone crash before. So tell yeah. us some of the crazy stories behind the, behind what happens at that time. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I've, I've definitely over the years had lots of accidents with my camera. I mean, I, one time I was photographing some fall foliage at a, a lake early in the morning and I had a long lens on. I hadn't quite gotten my tripod situated correctly. And a, another photographer walked over. And so I like, I stopped, I looked and I waved. And as I waved, my camera went top down into the water. Um, oh. So the, the body and the lens were submerged. I pulled them out as quickly as I could. Um, nothing worked, <laughs> but oh what, one of the things I do is I save all those silica packets. Every yeah. time I buy new gear, I just put it into this big giant bag. And so as soon as I got home, both things went into my big bag of silica packets and a week later, I opened it up and it worked fine. Wow. Yeah. But then the drone. Well, I'm happy they worked. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so what, what what do you think about, you know, I, I've been seeing some new photo editing softwares with artificial intelligence that add clouds and yeah. add scenery. Like they just, like the photo is just totally converted from nothing into masterpiece just due to artificial intelligence right so what do you think about this trend that's starting to increase um i mean it's kind of disturbing but at the same time i understand why people would want to use it so like the amount of time i put in to finding the conditions that work like you can't do that like if you're on a trip like i went to iceland a few years ago and i just none of the weather worked out so i wasn't happy with like 90% of my photos. Um, so I can see why someone would want to take one of those photos that has a good composition and a good subject and changing it into something that has emotion and feeling with the light and everything. But at the same time, I know how hard I work to get there. So it's kind of like, do other people then post their images and get a lot of traction, even though they didn't put in that effort? I think for me personally, as long as they are letting you know that that's how they created it, then I have no problem with it. But if somebody posts it and says, oh, the conditions were epic this morning, and then they didn't actually experience that, that, that has like, it doesn't have that same sense of experience and emotion that I like to feel. Yeah, I, I, I totally get your point. Yep. So you were mentioning that you spend more time on the weather app more than you spend on the Instagram or, or Facebook or these stuff. So I wanted to ask you about like, how can you balance or how can a photographer balance between 
being available on social media, you know, for marketing, sharing and replying to fans or whatever. And on the other hand, between not being sucked into the online life, like getting uh, sucked by the algorithm or hateful comments or just anxiety due to post insights or whatever, you know, yeah. whatever creators go through. So how to balance between both? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to find that balance. I, I struggle with it. Um, like when I, when I post and I get maybe like 100 comments, I feel obligated to spend the next hour trying to reply to all those comments. But I have work I need to get done. Um, my kids are, are being homeschooled right now, so I have to give them support. So it, it, it always feels like I'm not doing everything the, as well as I should be. Um, but what I try and do is limit my time. So on like the weekends, I'll either just try not to open Instagram or sometimes I'll delete the app entirely and then reinstall it on Monday. So that gives me like, I don't get those notifications that draw me in. I can't just check for a minute and then find I was looking at it for an hour. Um, yeah, but it's it's hard to find that balance. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I fully agree. Well, I, I know that you're passionate about teaching, especially teaching about photography. Yep. So where do you see the future of teaching photography going, especially with all the online courses and tutorials on the social media and YouTube? Like, mm -hmm. is there still place for one-to-one -one teaching or classroom teaching? Yeah, I, I definitely think there's still a place for that. I mean, because of COVID, like everybody is doing their online tutorials, but as soon as we can actually get back out there again, the experience you get in the field is so much better than what you'd get just watching a video course. Because half of it is actually doing it yourself and like going to a place, seeing how the instructor like puts the tripod down low to, to get a better foreground and then just keeping that level. Like you can say that, but until you actually see it happening, like you don't really understand how to make the same photographs that your teacher's creating um, until you experience it. Yeah, I understand. So you mentioned COVID. So tell me, how's life going with COVID? How, how did COVID affect you as a photographer? Um, I think the biggest thing is, I mean, I, I missed a bunch of trips. I was supposed to be in Guatemala uh, for Milky Way at uh, Lake Atitlan, which is a, 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 a lake surrounded by like three volcanoes and the Milky Way was going like, to line up perfectly and I just, I couldn't go. I had another trip to the Pacific Northwest that I couldn't take. So, I mean, that was really disappointing that I couldn't do those things. But at the same time, it made me explore my local region more. So I've done a lot more sunrise trips where before I might have been like, well, conditions might not be good, so I'm just going to sleep in today. Now I'm like, OK, well, I'm not going anywhere, so I might as well go and try and get this shot of this tree near my house because um, there's going to be some fog and there might be some color in the sky at the same time. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's made me change my perspective of less looking for like an epic landscape away from me to finding something that is more intimate, close to me. Yeah. So what did 2020 teach you as a creator and as a human? 
um, that life can uh, throw you curveballs. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you just never know what's going to come and you have to be able to adjust. So like my, my two kids couldn't go to school anymore. So my partner and I are homeschooling them at the same time. We're both working and trying to follow our passions of like photography and all the different things we want to do. So it's in all that is a challenge. Like we, we work hard and we try and find time to like stay connected to each other as a family, but that's hard sometimes too. So Jamie, you know, our show is called Photopian Shots and Photopian is a utopian photographer. So tell us what are the three characteristics you see for a Photopian shot or the utopian shot from your point of view? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the first thing that comes to mind is having some atmosphere and that can be lots of different things. For me, it's mostly having some fog. So in, in New England, there's just a lot of stuff going on. It's, it's hard to find like a minimalistic shot sometimes, especially in the woods where I live. So when there's fog, I can really narrow down that composition to just like one element or a few elements because the rest of it's being kind of obscured by the mist or the fog. Um, so it's one. And the second is the sun. Um, I feel like the emotion that having the sun in the frame is really powerful. Like, like you just, you connect with that warmth and the feelings that you, you get in a, a regular day when you feel the sun on your body, you can sense that, I think, when you look at a photo with the sun shining right at you. Um, and then a, a third thing is just like a, a powerful subject. So in my case, it's usually something to do with nature. So trees or waterfalls. Um, if I can find a mountain in New England, a mountain. Um, and I just try and keep it into that, that kind of emotion that I like to explore the outdoors and I want to show that to my audience. So on the other hand, what are the three characteristics of a Photopian photographer? Like a photographer who seeks to be a Utopian all the time? Hmm. Um, I think characteristics of the photographer, I mean, being open to the world and what the world has to offer is one. Um, being able to see things that other people can't see. So like, like finding that small scene that has power that, that somebody else might just walk by. And then I think being able to share what you're feeling to other people. I mean, a, a photo isn't just a thing. It's, it's a, a moment in time that means something, hopefully to you and to the people that you share it to. Yeah, yeah. So when you started photography, who was your utopian or photopian photographer that inspired you? And currently, who is your Photopian photographer that still inspires you? Um, I mean, I think the answer to both of those questions is uh, Michael Shanebloom. 
mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's an amazing photographer. Um, the, the scenes that he finds are, are those things that like other people don't see. Um, like he'll, he'll go to a place like Yosemite and come away with photos that I've never seen before. Whereas everybody else gets like that, that same iconic shot, which there's nothing wrong with that, but he finds something different and he finds scenes that have emotion and like draw you in. Yeah, definitely. So Jamie, can you share with us some of your Photopian shots? Sure. Um, so the first one I'm going to share with you is a photo I have of a, it's a tree kind of a, alone with the sun behind it. Um, so this is one of those shots I was talking about where I found the conditions and then went and found the location. Um, when I was shooting this, or actually, let me back up for a second. When I was going to go out this day, I had just crashed my drone the day before, and I was going on a, a trip with a couple other drone um, photographers. But because of the location that they picked, you really needed a drone. Like you, you couldn't find a shot otherwise. So I decided, well, I'm just going to go off on my own and find something else to shoot. So I was just driving along one of my favorite roads and I could see how foggy it was. The sun hadn't come up yet, but I, I knew that the sun would be coming in this general direction. So I, I found a good spot to pull over and saw this tree off in the distance, um, pulled out my 100 to 400 lens and, and then the sun came up and it just kind of like blasted with this orange glow around the tree. Um, and it, it was, I, I don't know if I could show this to you later too, but I had like a little recording on my phone that shows it what the wide scene looked like. So it was just like like regular white fog all around, but just behind the tree was this orange glow coming from it. So I focused in on that and I just loved the way that the, the fog really highlighted that tree. Whereas any other day, if I shot this, like there's all the stuff in the background that would not make a good picture, just be too busy no matter what. Yeah, so my, this next photo um, is one of my fall foliage photos. And this one is with the drone, but I actually didn't plan on flying the drone at all that day. Um, the location that I decided to go to was this uh, rail trail, which is a, it's a old uh, railroad track that they converted into like a biking walking path. And I knew this one section was gonna be foggy with the trees kind of like hanging down into it and the colors were just like perfect right then it was towards the end of fall but there's still a lot of color around so i went there and i got my shot and i was really happy with what i got then as i was driving home i just saw the corner of my eye some some light rays in the trees and i was like okay i have a meeting i need to get to but i'm gonna pull over and i'm gonna put the drone up and see what i can find and then i found this image here and like the sun was just pouring out through the fog and this one tree up in the the top third of the the image was being highlighted so it was just I don't know I, I couldn't have planned this shot like this location I hadn't even planned on visiting it was just random because the conditions look good but the way the light 
is just like exploding, just captivated me. Um, and I, it's one of my favorite shots I've ever taken. Oh, it's, it's an amazing shot. And, and let me tell you a confession. Well, I live in Quebec and in Quebec, usually, you know, the foliage, it's, it's, it's good. Like we have very good foliage, but because of your Instagram account, I decided that hopefully when the borders are open back, I would do mm. a trip to New England to just a photography trip because of your photos of the foliage, because like, <laughs> I loved it. I, I really loved it. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, foliage in New England, it's, it's, it's our prime time. Um, it's the only time of the year that other photographers are, are coming here. Um, so like a bunch of people that I follow and they're out usually out like in California or the Pacific Northwest or, uh, the Rockies, like they come, they flock to new England <laughs> kind of middle of September, mid, uh, beginning of October. And they, I mean, you, you can't beat the foliage here. Although there are lots of other places that have beautiful foliage, like, uh, Michigan is a place I'd like to go. Just I'm always too busy here to go visit there. Yeah, yeah. So Jamie, what are you looking forward to learn or achieve in 2021 in order to be a more utopian photographer or improve your photography? Um, well, one of the things I'm working on this year, um, inspired by Michael Shainblum, um, is uh, Milky Way time lapses, specifically motion controlled ones. So what, what I'm doing is using like a slider with a kind of like a, a ball head that can move by itself. Um, so I'll be going, spending nights out under the stars by myself. And, and the, the nice thing about this is usually when I'm shooting Milky Way, I'm very active in the shooting where I'm constantly having to like adjust things and set things up. Whereas this, I'll be able to set it up let it get, let it get started and then it, it will go for four or five hours and I'll actually be able to enjoy the night sky. Um, so that, that'll be my own personal, uh, utopian is being able to just look up and enjoy. Perfect. So Jamie, you said that you started photography with a, with a non-governmental organization. You were helping taking portraits of people. So how, how can photography, help change the community? How can it help in like, for example, I know we were celebrating Earth Day like a couple of weeks ago. So how can landscape teach people more about nature or any type yeah. of photography? How can it give back to community? Yeah, I mean, the, I think the best way to give back is, and this is more for photographers than specifically the photos, but volunteer for a NGO, find a place, maybe local to you that like they don't have a good photographer that can give them a couple good images to use on earth day or whatever their specific subject is but like just giving back to the people that are trying to keep nature and the people around it he healthy and happy perfect perfect this is a perfect idea dreaming so what advice would you give to beginners like if you know that someone was beginning landscape photography, what advice would you give them? Um, I mean, the first thing is get out there as often as you can. Um, it, 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 it's all about experimenting, failing, figuring out what you did wrong, and then trying again. Like it's, it, I fail still so often at like things that I'm either I'm missing some focus or 
Like if I'm trying to do a focus stack and I didn't do it perfectly, like I keep, I keep trying new techniques and usually I'm not perfect at it. I just have to practice and get out there as often as I can. And an added benefit of getting out there as often as you can is that eventually you'll get amazing conditions and then you'll be ready to capture what you want and not trying to fiddle around and missing the opportunity. Yeah. And this is, this is a great advice, Jamie. So Jamie, now we're getting to the quick round of questions. So I would ask you very quick questions. You have to answer quickly. Okay. Sony or Fuji? Sony. A DJI Mini or a D DJI Mavic? The Mavic, definitely. Canon or Nikon? Mm, Canon. A shot for foliage or a shot for a lighthouse? Foliage. Pick one lens only that you can live with for the rest of your life. Uh, 16 to 35. Pick one app only that you can't live without. Uh, Windy, my weather app. So one setting only that you can adjust on the camera. Mm. ISO. A shot for a forest or an island? Um, a forest. Trip to Iceland or a trip to Kenya? Uh, Kenya. A shot for a blue hour or the Milky Way? Milky Way. RAW or JPEG? RAW. If Jamie were not a landscape photographer, he would be? I would be a teacher. Summer or winter? Mm, winter. A shot for a mountain or a waterfall? Mountain. Lightroom or capture one? Lightroom. A camera with a touch screen or a flip screen? A uh, flip screen. So if Jamie, if you were a lens, what lens would you be? <laughs> and why? Um, I think the uh, 100 to 400 because I like to focus in on the details. And when you can change that deep into the field of view, then you can really focus in. Yeah, perfect. So Jamie, thank you so much for your time and for opening up with us genuinely about your work. And please make sure that you follow Jamie's work. He's on Instagram, he has a website and the links are below on the description make sure you follow because he has some amazing courses. I think you have a course about drone editing, Jamie. Yep. Yeah, editing. and he has an amazing calendar that's already sold out. So wait for the calendar of next year and just keep following because he sometimes offer some tutorials and some webinars. So don't miss that out. Yep. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah, well, thanks for reaching out to me. It was, it was fun. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it as well. Yeah, no, you asked some really good questions. Made me, made me think hard and fast. <laughs> Jamie, thank you so much again for being with us today. All right, thank you very much.